Okay. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wa namu ala rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. So we did conclude hadith one last week. So now we'll move on to hadith two. And the plan is to go through, uh, inshallah, a couple pages before uh, pausing to see if anyone has any thoughts or reflection that they want to share. Okay. So hadith two goes until page 20. Okay, the title for this hadith, The Heart is Volatile. The Messenger وسلم, said, The Qalb, heart, was given this name only because of its fluctuations. The heart is like a feather in the wilderness at a base of a tree that continues to be turned on its head by the wind. Moving on to the commentary. Though the heart is the most important part of our body, it is also the most volatile and unpredictable. Both of these facts explain the great attention we typically give names to things around us based on the qualities that distinguish them, what stands out about them, and the attribute that we feel most defines them. When it comes to the heart, the name given to it in Arabic signals its key features, if not its most important and dangerous quality. The heart in Arabic is called qalb, meaning, as the hadith explains, what keeps turning and changing. This quality points to an intense volatility. The heart continuously moves from one emotion to another, from one intent to its opposite in the span of minutes or even seconds. And this taqallub, fluctuation, demonstrates how unpredictable and weak our hearts are. The example that the Prophet ﷺ gave of this is a feather carried by the wind in an empty flat land. The wind blows its hardest in an empty space. As the wind blows, the feather is helplessly helplessly tossed in the air, turning from one side to the other, carried from one place to the other. Like the light feather, the heart is also a vulnerable organ that is unstable and is easily susceptible to outside influences. As the feather keeps flying and turning, so does the heart fly between different emotions, thoughts, and intentions. In another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ paints for us another poignant, how do you say that? Poignant? Poignant. Portrait of the nature of our hearts. He وسلم, said, The heart of the child of Adam is more volatile and quicker to change than the completely boiling pot. Anyone who cooks or attempts to cook can appreciate this image. Here, the full pot passes the water's boiling point, completely shaking with the heat beneath it. The heart is similarly in a state of complete agitation. The heart is the most active part of our body. Unlike other body parts, the heart does not stop working. We're talking here about the religiously responsible parts of the body. We can to the world around us. As the Prophet ﷺ said, the truest human names are Harith, doer, and Hammam, intender. These two names are the truest human names because each single human, human being, is humans don't stop doing things or intending to do them. Their hearts, internals, and their bodies, externals, are always moving. And of the two movements, the intentions of the heart are the most flowing, and abundant as the form of the name Hammam suggests intensity, frequency, and repetition. The heart intends, changes its intent, intends something new, and constantly struggles with its decisions and their consequences. There is also an anxiety that inhabits the heart and does not easily leave it. Allah says in the Quran, indeed read when touched by pray. The heart easily panics. It lacks patience in the face of trouble and loses hope quickly. And it also panics when good things happen and cannot share what it has. The anxiety of the heart is its lack of trust in anything around it, a constant apprehension of things going wrong. 
but there is a way out of this, as Allah tells us in ayahs 22 to 34, following those initial ayahs. We also see examples of the love and hate. The Prophet said, did one someday, and hate your hated one in moderation, for perhaps he will be your loved one someday. We love something slash someone so much and believe that this will last forever. Then we change and start hating the very things and people we loved before. Or we hate, then what we hated becomes dear to us. Why do we change so much, so drastically from one side to its opposite? The heart is indeed restless. How can our heart, the most important part of, part of our body, be the most unstable? This is the paradox that we will try to understand in this book. Why is the heart so volatile like a feather carried by the wind or like a boiling pot? There are several reasons behind this. One, the heart is the arena where the shaitan is continuously whispering and sending his soldiers of doubts and worldly desires. It is also the arena where the angel of Allah reminds us of virtue and the hereafter. As the Prophet ﷺ said, the shaitan has a connection to and influence on the child of Adam and the angel has a connection and influence. The connection and influence of shaitan is the promise of evil and the denial of, of the truth. And the kinds this, let them thank and praise Allah from Shaytan. Then the Prophet read the ayah from the Quran, Shaytan promises you poverty and commands you to commit indecency. And Allah promises you forgiveness and bounties from him. So the battle between the soldiers of Shaytan and the soldiers of Ar-Rahman, the merciful, rages on in the heart. The heart is flooded with whispers from Shaytan to try to tempt and confuse. These include introducing doubts about what Allah revealed and commanded and inflaming our love and desire. Since the heart is the place for these whispers and our resistance to them, it is no wonder that be so agitated and mercurial. Okay, let me finish this section. Uh, two, human movement is motivated by a search for meaning, stability, and permanence. Without Iman in Allah, the one thing that grants human stability and meaning, the heart bounces from one thing to the other, looking for this elusive meaning and satisfaction. When it fails to find what it needs, it quickly moves to the next thing. This is why the heart is so temperamental. The reason the heart is light and tends foolish is its emptiness and bias. Allah created the human ignorant with an inclination to transgression. Self, nafs, suffers from a good deal of immaturity feather and the quick shaking of the boiling pot in the hadith lets us know that the heart too is light and quick to move. Ibn al-Qayyim wrote in his book Al-Fawa'id on page 212 that the human self is ignorant and has tendency to rush into foolishness. The image of the feather and the pot support this assessment found in other places in Quran and hadith. The heart that has iman on the other hand tends to be more stable, i.e. heavy, and is not easily moved by harmful suggestions and bad influences. Three, the heart is the gentlest organ since it is the repository of emotion. A couple of pages till the end. Any pause here? Okay. I know there's a lot. So if anyone um, has anything that, that they want to share, uh, feel free to do so. One thing that um, I do want to briefly touch upon is the ayahs Actually, that's mentioned soon after that it doesn't mention it here in detail but the ayahs that come after that uh, it mentions ayahs 22 to 34 give us like 
one action item after another and those are indications of what it really means to be a person of prayer so allah starts with prayer and then allah mentions a number of qualities of these people and different things that they do they give charity uh, and other good deeds are mentioned and then all the way at the end of that passage the last thing that's mentioned again is prayer so the first thing is prayer the last thing is prayer and then a bunch of just a few minutes it's supposed to be something transformative that affects the other uh, all the other areas of our lives inshallah uh, the ayahs that were mentioned here were from surah 70 surah al-ma'arij ayahs 19 to 22 and then the ayahs that come after that, basically 23 to 34, um, fill in more more details of um, ideally what the, Im- the impact that prayer would have on us in different ways. And here prayer is mentioned as a type of medicine as a solution, that without it, you know, there could be this constant uh, severe swinging of the pendulum but prayer is supposed to be stabilizing. It's supposed to be centering and to help us to, um, you know, reconnect. Any thoughts? Any anything that anybody wants to to share? There can be a type of appreciation and, and definitely like a healthy, obviously, sense of benefit of the doubt. But I think Abdullah bin Mas'ud um, is a really profound statement when, and this was way back at his time, but who have passed away. Trial or another, one tribulation or another. But when we look at the prophets and messengers and, um, you know, those who are known to be righteous, which includes him, Abdullah bin Mas'ud, a, a great companion of the Prophet um, for him to be saying something like that is really, I think it adds an extra layer of depth uh, to it. So yeah, that's a good, um, it kind of makes you take a step back and puts things in perspective. And the, the Prophet mentioned both extremes, right? When it comes to the good side and also not so good side, uh, things things may change. And it reminds me of the ayah in Surah Muntahina, uh, maybe Allah can you know cause reconciliation maybe there can be uh, something positive that happens that kind of uh, reunites those hearts that may have become distant from each other and it also just shows like you can't just randomly 
And how to navigate that, right? How to go about that, and there are different layers to it. If it's something between two individuals, if it's something, you know, between families, or I mean, there are so many. I find that I feel like a lot of it has with like the majority of someone's circle. So if, and also with to approach things with humility. So if someone hears that, oh, you know, so and so got caught up in this or caught up in that, there it, it shouldn't be. Um, you know, fuel added to a fire of arrogance where a person, oh, I can look down on that person and that person and that person. For some people, unfortunately, the only thing they may get out of their religiosity is looking down on those who they may deem to be less religious, which is a very shallow understanding of your religion. If a person had more depth to their deen, then they would understand um, you know, the example that the Prophet gave us of the woman who had, uh, who basically used to be a prostitute. There are different versions of the narration, but that's included in one of them. And that wasn't granted them Jannah. I mean, from how many people would have looked at that person and would have, you know, cast their judgment wrongfully thinking, oh, that person's a lost cause. They're doing this and this and this not just once in a while, but consistently and very often, oh, how could they possibly, you know, end up in Jannah and not end up elsewhere? The reality with Allah was that this person did something sincere and, you know, Allah, uh, who knows what their circumstances were. That wasn't mentioned in, uh, in, in detail in the hadith, but that kind of, that helps us to put things in perspective that, you know, looking at someone from the outside, you know, it may look like they're going in a certain direction and that that may be clear at that time but we can there the idea is, is for to be a type of medicine right injected into that um that type of scenario i mean if people if, if all they get out of you know hearing oh someone stumbled and fell if that puffs them up with pride eventually the tables will turn eventually they're going to go through that same thing it may even be worse Chances are that other person may be sincerely struggling, and then things will probably improve. Um, you know, with the initial religious person, a lot of it has to do with perspective, right? If someone is doing good, mashallah, may Allah bless them and help them to continue, give them tawfiq. And if someone is struggling, you know, may Allah forgive them and, and help them to turn a new page and to go in the right direction. And that's really the 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 approach that the Prophet consistently had. Um, to get to give people a dose of hope and to try to encourage and to try to uplift and it's a beautiful hadith it's very short but extremely powerful if internalized um, make things easy don't make them difficult one of my favorite hadith obviously there are so many but like if this one hadith were to be applied and practiced and understood there'd be so much good that would come from it within ourselves, but also within our communities. Make things easy for people, don't make them difficult. Encourage people, don't chase them away. 
I mean, it, it's so short, but it's a it's a good example of the gift the Prophet was given, والسلام, of Jawami al-Kalim, that, that he could say so much with so few words. I mean, just think if if that were to be put into practice, right? If someone, if they open up to a nut, to a friend and they say, oh, I'm really struggling with this. They respond, you know, how can, basically, how can we try to make things better? What are some, um, uh, you know, positive ways that we can try to respond or it, it it's not like a i mean i don't know if anyone else would want to comment on this but i feel like a lot of the time it's not like it's not so much about advice per se a lot of the time it's just listening you know taking it in understanding where they're coming from and that alone just allowing them to kind of release that pressure can make a huge positive difference the vast majority of the time it came up good for me it doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy right to deal with that so someone if they open up and if they say hey you know i'm struggling with this or with that the way that person because they're they're putting their heart in in their friend's hands they're really trusting them in that moment and how they respond will have a huge impact on how they navigate that situation so if they can respond with encouragement if they can respond with some kind of optimism some kind of positivity hopefully things get better you know uh, everyone there are different ways to respond depending on the details but even if someone responds by saying like hey everyone falls down but let's try to get back up and can we keep going and to to unpack that and figure that out just by hearing that type of uplifting response can make a huge uh difference for that person inshallah Anyone have any, anyone else have any? Thank you for sharing, by the way, Jazakallah Any other thoughts or, go ahead. Um, this is going back to like not really judging people or looking down at people. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was a hadith, correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard one where it was like, you're not, Allah is not gonna take you from this life until you do or someone around you does the same thing that you were looking down at the other person before. Mm-hmm. So like, and there was also another one, I don't know if they're tied together, and you're there listening and you didn't even stop them or check, then even if you were in that same thing is going to come and find you. Like, you're going to end up doing the same thing or you're going to get caught up in it, something like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, even if you try to go far, far away, like, it will still come to you. So to, the idea is to be careful of, like, how do you, in your heart, how do you look at other people? If you hear that someone is struggling, for example, with alcohol addiction, what's the internal response in that person's heart? Very sadly, some people, they may like straight up something good happens to the believers, then it really bothers them. And if something bad happens to them, then they feel so happy. Those are signs of a really sick heart, right? So if someone hears that, oh, so-and-so is struggling with something, then in their heart, what's the response, right? Do they feel happy? Oh, that person is struggling with something. Why would they? Why would they find joy in someone else's struggle? Why not respond like the you know the idea of uh, a medical professional? Like, oh, how can I help? How can I contribute? How can I at least you know can I at least make dua for the person? Or if somebody, uh, you know, if it, it also depends on on the situation where that thing is brought up. Let's say you know there's a group of friends and they generally try to avoid what you're talking about. They try to avoid backbiting people, slandering. They try to avoid all that. But let's say one of them 
uh, mentions to another friend within that circle of friends that, hey, you know, so-and-so, like they're struggling with something like I just found out, chances are the nature of that conversation will be more focused on how to help that person heal. How to, how can we help that person? Okay. If someone, you know, is struggling with alcohol addiction, for example, what, what can we do to try to help them? Looking down on them is not going to do anyone any good. And for the one looking down on them, that's going to do a lot of harm for them spiritually. So if internally, if the immediate response is, okay, they're struggling with something, you know, is there anything realistically and practically that I can do to, to try to help them? A ton of wisdom, of course, is needed um, in those situations. But if that's the intention, then overall, that's good because they're not mentioning it to their friend in a way where they're gossiping. It's like, no, no, no. Hey, this, this person who we love is struggling with something and we know them. Is, what can we do to help them? Right? Is there anything that can be done to, uh, you know, assist them? That should be the the focus and the intention. Well, you're talking about if someone finds themselves in that type of company, then the root of it is you may want, you know, they may want to find different friends to surround themselves with. By by being present yeah, and just right. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right. So how to sometimes it can be a bit tricky uh, if it's maybe family gathering and and I mean it's it's the at the it, the the hadith of the prophet comes to mind. Sometimes like the least you can do is to hate it in your heart. And if you can, you know, maybe give an excuse that, oh, hey, you know, I need to leave early or I'm tired. I need to go home or whatever. Maybe there's a, a way to sometimes there may not be a way to get out of it. But if there is a way, then, you know, that may um, that may help. Or if it's like a, a bigger family gathering or even gathering of friends, maybe they kind of they notice that. And then they kind of like that, you know, those types of things come up, then they can try to navigate it with dignity and poise and, you know, self-respect. And, you know, maybe they make the intent, the intention right away that, okay, as soon as I can wiggle my way out of this gathering or conversation, conversation, then I'll try to do so. The idea is to be a person of positive change, right? If someone, if they say something about someone who's not there and it's just something putrid, something poisonous and horrible, maybe they pipe up and they say like, you know, come on, like they're not about them. Um, usually, if people feel comfortable, I think it was Imam Shafi'i who said that if people talk to you about others, then they talk to others about you, right? So what's the intention? Why am I friends with these people? What's the effect that these people have on my heart? And is my primary focus for who I spend time with, is my priority the condition of my heart? And it's not about judging other people's hearts, not not to like dive into that, but you're a, you can be aware. We have to be aware and to assess, right? How do certain people talk when I'm around them about other people who are not there? How do they talk to people who may be there? And to just kind of be aware of that. And if you're around good company and company, then socioeconomics or this, that, or the other, like all that stuff is fine. Cool. Mashallah. But 
priority number one is how is that person's heart? How is their manners? How is their character? They, they may have, you know, very little, maybe nothing financially, for example, but they just have the most amazing character. And whenever you're around them, they mention Allah and his messenger, and they never say anything bad about other people. And you notice that spending time with them is such a positive experience that you want to spend more time with them. The, the, main, the main ingredient in that situation, in that dynamic, is the heart of that person. And there may be someone else who may be very well off financially. Cool. God bless them, give more. But if they have good character, then that's my intention, for example, for wanting to be around them. If they have all kinds of different people, some in the middle, some, but what Allah highlighted for him was to continue to surround yourself with the right people who value Allah and who value taqwa uh, and are sincere. Some were rich, some were poor, some were Arab, some were not. Some, all that is secondary. If, if they value taqwa, then that's uh, the, main, the main factor, inshallah. And they will surround all of us with the right people. I mean, does anyone have any, any thoughts, any reflections? Go ahead. I guess just the word that's been coming to mind throughout this discussion is humility, mm-hmm. which... I think, I, at least in my experience growing up and going to an Islamic school and being around Muslims all the time, and my understanding, the way humility was taught to me, I always thought of it as like to view yourself as less than mm-hmm. others. Across like a definition of humility by Eckhart Tolle, who's not Muslim, but has a really great definition of humility, mm-hmm. um, which uh, was to view yourself as the same as everyone else, not greater, not less. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really helped me like reframe what humility means. And I think when you interact with people with that mindset, it's a lot easier to just be like, I could easily be in this person's shoes. Or mm-hmm. I could be in my shoes. And um, it helps you think about your own humanity as well as the humanity of others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the more it's easier for you to embrace your own humanity, the easier it is to embrace the humanity of others. Mm-hmm. I find that when there are folks that are quick to judge, are they judge themselves a lot internally. Mm-hmm. So um, the more we work on embracing ourselves fully as human beings, the easier it is to embrace. Um, so it's a lot it's a reflection of what's going on internally within yeah. that person. So yeah. if you're judging other people like to an extreme, then chances are that's a reflection of what's going on within them towards yeah. themselves. And if someone is kind to other people or if they have that humility, then I think that's, that's a really important uh, Point to make, and also I like how you tied in the concept of humility with the very term of Islam. Yeah. Like, if someone, as someone is, you know, trying to practice their faith more and more, trying to practice Islam as best they can, you know, with within their capacity, a key sign if they're doing a good job is reflected in humility. And if they're not doing a good job, they could be praying a hundred times a day, reading hundred pages of Quran a day, and you know. X, Y, and Z, but if there isn't humility, then and actually arrogance, if you think about it, the the primary issue there was arrogance, um, a lack of humility. The the mistake that Adam and Eve made was not in connection with arrogance. It was, you know, in a different category, basically. Aside from those details, on one hand, you know, Adam and Eve repented and asked Allah for forgiveness, and 
uh, Allah says that He inspired them with those words to to do so. So Allah facilitated that process for them because of the sincerity. For Iblis, it's I mean, if you think about it, there were eternal good things being done, and He was angel. But the point is, like that was the the rank that He was at. But as soon as arrogance enters, it, actually, there's so much that can be taken away from that example. If you want to use this terminology, Iblis was extremely religious, externally religious, and was in the company of angels. But then as soon as arrogance entered the picture, then you know everything fell apart. So what can we take from that? Even if someone is dotting the I's, crossing the T's, doing all kinds of good deeds, which in and of itself is good, but all of that goes to not all that goes to waste. And it's, it's a classic trick of shaitan to try to convince the person who maybe externally it may look like they're doing more to look down on someone who may look like they're doing less. And it's kind of like, well, that's clearly a lack of humility. So something needs to be recalibrated. And um, like, that's not the point. The point is, you know, a lot. The point is outside of ourselves and we're trying to go in that direction. If you look at the last three ayahs of Surah Al-Hashr, it's all about Allah. It's all about who He is. Who Allahu ladhi la ilaha illahu. And this is these famous three ayahs mentioned um, over a dozen names of Allah. It's all about who He is, right? So that should be the main uh, the main focus. And if Allah allows us to try to facilitate good for ourselves, for our families, for other people, then that's from Allah, may Allah accept that from us. But it's really beautiful when you comb through the life of the Prophet, والسلام, the incredible humility that he had. Like there, there would be representing their people or ambassadors or whatever, and they would show up to Medina and they would ask, which one of you is Muhammad? <laughs> like they, they couldn't even tell because if he's sitting down with a group of, of his companions, like the person would show up and like, he looked identical, like he looked the same. He didn't have like this gold throne. He didn't have, it's amazing, the humility. And that was something that they loved so much about him because they recognized he's clearly extremely different in these amazing ways, yet he's so humble constantly. And it's just that manifestation in his character played a huge role in, in them loving him socially like he was one of them. It's, it's really incredible. Any other thoughts or reflections before moving on? Please go ahead. I was also thinking this, like, in this discussion, like Islam by design, and like a lot of the practices that we do, and just and the way that it's set up, just refocuses on that equity and it, like equality of everyone and how everyone is at the same level. Um, for example, like in other faiths, like Catholicism, for example, there's like saints, there's like religious hierarchies. And one of the things I love highlighting about Islam is that there is no religious hierarchy. Like, every individual has equal access to God. Mm -hmm. um, everyone's, uh, but it just also emphasizes, like, even though in Islam there is no set religious hierarchy, it's just such human nature for people to put others on pedestals and view them as higher or lower. Mm -hmm. um, and so, again, just going back to that, the importance of the concept of humility and how it's, like, the very basis of Islam. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, it, it's not a small that can come or go like no that has to be present all the time there can and the the there you know the the prophet uh, he mentioned in in a hadith that even someone who has the smallest amount of arrogance in their heart will enter paradise and then in response there was uh, a sahabi a companion who asked the prophet like what if someone 
likes nice clothing? What if they like nice shoes? And the Prophet, again, like he responded so optimistically and so beautifully. He didn't respond with criticism. He didn't respond putting him down. The Prophet said, whoever has the smallest amount of arrogance, then they're not going to enter paradise. So the Sahabi, you know, likes nice clothing and nice shoes. And the Prophet responded so beautifully. This is when he said, that there's no doubt Allah is most beautiful and Allah loves beauty. That's not arrogance. Rather, arrogance is to reject the truth when you recognize it and to look down on people. Which is like, that's the core of it. So if you think about it, the price, nice clothes, nice shoes, whatever, like he's actually supporting that. Like, and he connected it with Allah, that Allah is the most beautiful, Allah loves beauty. So if you want to wear nice clothes, you want to wear nice shoes, that's fine. That's actually a good thing with the right intention. So long as you avoid these two major issues, then then you'll be fine. You're rejecting the truth when you recognize it and then looking down on people. So if someone rejects the truth because they um, they they like the the prophet was very simple in his ways, very humble in his ways, alayhi So when the ayah was revealed in Surah Al-Kaf, like to continue spending time with the right people. There were some um, people who had clout from Quraysh who were trying to convince him, like, tell Bilal and, you know, Suhaib on the totem pole, basically. And their behalf saying, no, keep them with you. Like, forget these other people. So if they were to reject the truth after recognizing it, or if they, maybe some people, if they do have nice clothes, nice shoes, nice car, big house, whatever, if all that is fine, so long as it's, so long as it's in the hand and not in the heart, because if someone, if they start to look down on other people who may not have those things, then that's where something needs to be um, adjusted. I know you raised your hand. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Also, it's really beautiful how he um, says that that is okay, but also in another um, hadith and also Quran ayat, like hoarding a lot to yourself, you're not mm -hmm. sharing with others, and other people are not having good experiences because of that. You know? mm -hmm. So moderation, right? That, that That is a good point. That is an ayah in the Qur'an um, in which Allah tells, uh, it's like, it's such a balanced ayah when Allah tells people, it's in Surah Al-A'raf and Surah 7, O son of Adam, O children of Adam, ya bani Adam, khudhu zinatakum inda kulli masjid. So dress nicely when you go to, to every masjid and eat and drink, but don't, don't, go overboard like don't be excessive so what you're saying is a good point moderation balance so within someone's means if they you know if they can afford to right a person they shouldn't be going and spending money they don't have for things they don't need whatever um but if it is something within their means and let's say those means are completely halal and pure and and different people may be able to afford different things so long as it's within there's that balance and moderation. And then that's a good point. There should also be this understanding that there are other people too, right? So some people, subhanAllah, some people, if they go, let's say they go shopping, they get, you know, a whole bunch of new clothing. Some, very few, but some people will, during that trip, already have the intention that, okay, I need to go get, you know, X amount of this, this, this. And then they'll buy some things that are brand new just for the sake of sadaqah, just for the sake of charity. Which is like, that's definitely going to add barakah to everything else. And there's this balance, right? They're buying these things that they can afford within their means. But they're also understanding that 
let me buy something brand new and give that in charity, right? Out of what they have and for what they can get. Um, so yeah, balance is always needed and within uh, our means, inshallah. Thank you for sharing. Anyone else want to share anything? Okay, we can we can continue. I think there are a few uh, pages left for this hadith, so we can go through it a bit more. Uh, maybe we can finish. We'll see. Okay, so this is towards the bottom of page 16. Safeguarding the heart. If the heart is so essential and yet unstable, its health must be eagerly and carefully protected. The heart, much more than our bodies, is susceptible to sickness and the influences around it. Yet many of us allow everything to flow into it without attention to the damage this can do. Excuse me. We allow our eyes to look at everything, our ears to listen to everything, and our tongues to say everything. But doesn't this all affect our hearts? We jump from one video to another on YouTube, click on links because we are curious, and read inane and offensive posts because they are in front of us. We fail to filter out content that feeds the instability in our hearts and plants pain and foolish desires with images and words that further damage our hearts. Listen to what the Prophet ﷺ said. If one hears of Ad-Dajjal, the Antichrist, then let him stay away from him. I swear by Allah, the one who believes, we have someone who is fully sure that he has Iman and that his Iman is unshakable. But when he exposes himself to this fitna, this trial, he is swept away by it. We hear from some people sometimes that if our faith is truly strong, then it does not matter what it gets exposed to, what we read, hear, or attend, because our faith would endure. The hadith about Dajjal teaches us not to expose ourselves to temptations as long as we can afford to stay away from them. We do not truly know the strength of our iman and what it can and cannot endure. We may, we may not know that there is a soft spot in our heart, doubts or love for something that Allah hates, and our ill-advised encounters may revive all that until it overtakes our heart. Yes, if it is inevitable that we be exposed to tests, then we ask Allah for help and protection, inadequately cooked or unhealthy. We are more discriminating we are more discriminating than eating every piece of food we find lying on the ground. We may believe that we have a healthy immune system, but we do not test it by exposing ourselves to every disease around us. In fact, we take precautions and distance ourselves from it. Our hearts need more care than our bodies. Some may say or think that this will create a Muslim intellectual ghetto. Read to other Muslims and perhaps only to a specific segment of Muslims. But this is not necessarily the case. We must distinguish between one, what we need to go into and what we don't, two, what will bring us harm and what won't, and three, the level of our Islamic knowledge. The deeper our Islamic knowledge is and the more we consult the wise around us, the better we will be at steering our intellectual ship to safety and avoiding drowning at sea. The life of the earliest pious Muslims displays the delicate care they treated their hearts with, especially when they feared harm. The way they left reading specific books, sitting with specific people, accepting specific gifts and money, and working in specific professions demonstrates that they put the safety of their hearts above everything else. As Adhabi said, who's a great scholar, the heart anchoring the heart. Uh, so there are two, uh, like a page and a half left. The lightness of our hearts demands that we stabilize them 
to make them heavier. But how can we do this? The rest of the book is an answer to this question. For now, let us consider what Allah said about it about it in the Qur'an. Indeed, we are going to send down to you a heavy saying. One of the ways in which the Qur'an is heavy is that it gives stability to human life and heart. Those who desire comfort and clarity for their hearts should seek it from the Qur'an. The image of the boiling pot suggests to us that we should oversee our hearts more than we oversee an important meal we are preparing. We should be more finicky and careful about what we allow into our hearts than the ingredients we allow into our bodies and demand in our favorite dishes. But are our hearts the only ones that need care and attention? Isn't every heart as fragile and volatile as ours? As we seek to protect our hearts and guard them, let's also protect the hearts of the people around us. Let us not add to their agitation and confusion. Let us not invade their peace with sin and unkindness. If we understand the vulnerability and weakness of the heart, we should take care of other people's hearts as we do our own. The last lesson to note in this hadith is that the Prophet ﷺ used visual images to approximate what happens in the unseen world, i.e. the state of our heart like a feather or boiling pot. Educators should resort to similar strategies when trying to communicate difficult concepts to their students or the public. Project. Uh, the next time it is windy outside, behold how the wind moves the leaves or anything light at that moment. Spend a few minutes observing this and contemplate how much your heart resembles this leaf. Or if you are cooking, note the boiling pot as it shakes and think of your heart and its instability from one minute to the next. Consider the care you need to give to the most important part of your body. Okay, this is the end of Hadith 2 and, and his commentary. Does anyone have any uh, any thoughts or reflections that that they want to share? Go ahead. Um, when you accept gifts, is it like not love, not halal gifts? Like, what do you mean? Like if someone gave you a bottle of champagne as a gift, oh, for example. Yeah. No, I, I'm asking. Is is that what you're? That's what it means when they say they accept certain gifts. That's what do you mean by that? Let me. Good question. You said that they don't accept certain gifts. Is it like not certain amount of money? Let me see where the I know what you're referring to. I can't. Um, I forget exactly where it was. In, in gifts at times can be tricky. There has to be a lot of a lot of wisdom. And a lot of bottom of eighteen. Uh, okay, so the 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 life of the earliest pious Muslims displays the delicate care they treated their hearts with especially when they feared harm, the way they left reading specific books, sitting with specific people, accepting specific gifts and money. Yeah. So that part? Yeah. So what, what, what's what's an example, I guess, that comes to mind for, like what would be a gift that you would not want? <laughs> <laughs> a bribe. Yeah. A bribe, okay, that's a good example. Or something that you might have to feel like a... Like, like cautious of or, right, right. Now that you've accepted the gift, that you know, mm -hmm. you're and of course the I mean there are some situations where more care can be needed than uh, than others but the, the general uh, idea 
you know, is, is to be cautious, right? Just, just to be mindful of these different things and what are, what are we in our lives? What are we allowing, you know, that there's the example of food and drink and so care about our physical health. Uh, what about spiritual health? Mm. I think part of it is like from what I am it depends it depends on like somebody somebody mentioned that like it's if they if it can be used to drive or if it's a power it's, if, if there's if there's essentially strings attached to it or if it's a power it's, it's given from a position of power. I don't know if it will really apply to most of us, but maybe. But I know like the example of um, some of the biggest scholars, I can't remember who's in them, Ahmad uh, very correctly, but like they refused money, and he refused um, because he knew that not like there were a couple things. One, at that point, it could be used um, as yeah, mm -hmm. it could be used as like a, like like hey, and like now say this, now give this fatwa, say this, do this, or B, people would lose trust in what they're saying because now they're they're, they're this person is accepting money from the government. Are they, are they, yeah, is that, are, are they, are they, are they making this ruling based on, you know, based on what, what is convenient mm -hmm. for the government, et cetera. So, yeah, um, and Muhammad was in jail, like, so much, so was in it. So, yeah, like, there was, um, yeah, so it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, that, that is not part of protecting the heart, right? Like, because then if you're, comprom if, if now your physical being is compromised, you're going to do what you can to protect your physical being, which may compromise your heart. And so, yeah. Strings attached. Yeah. Right, and, that, and other scholars where uh, there'd, there'd be, like, they'd be so careful of, uh, you know, all these details. And they, they felt like these things make a difference, right? That's why there was so much, they were so scrupulous as it related to And I think like, things. it really relates to... Um, which is kind of what the whole book is about, like you mentioned, but uh, which is exciting. But I think we tend to lose focus on caring for the spiritual aspect of our work. Um, you know, we like especially like Islamically, like like um, because uh, like I, I'm, I was reading this and I was just thinking about how we don't, we lose focus of caring for the heart. When, when we're in a, in a state of relative calm, especially spiritual calm. And then we find ourselves, you know, like all of a sudden, like something happens to us. And then all of a sudden we don't have that anchor. We don't have that weight in our heart. And now we're like, maybe not necessarily questioning faith, but like you believe, but like now you're like, now, now you're just, now you're feeling like you're, Maybe you're losing your prayer, something like that. Like some like take care of it when it's when it's ease, when it's at ease. And I mean this because like I've seen friends who are like you know drifted away from the faith, from Islam, and maybe not even necessarily because of turmoil, but because like they're like you're not you're not adding that weight to your heart, and then just slow like your heart becomes lighter and lighter. I'm just going off on a metaphor of like mm -hmm. having a heavy heart means like you're you're it's filled with, with it's filled with humanity. Like you end up essentially drifting away, and like you just you don't see those friends. And it goes back to like who who are your friends, and you know, and who who are the people you surround yourself with. And, um, so, 
don't know. I just, I'm, I just rambling. Like, it's, but it's, it's, it's <laughs> just kind of thinking about, it's just having thinking about like how we like, how, 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 how we care for ourselves, like, like the self care, but like spiritual self care, right? Like that, mm-hmm. like um, something that maybe like gets lost in the, in the conversation, like, especially like, just like aesthetically. Um, sometimes you feel, it feels like taboo to like, mention, like, you know, but, um, but Because you can't, yeah, because then you're, you're you're risking driving that person completely away. Mm-hmm. So then you have to you have to be yeah, so, and that and conversely, like looking at yourself, like you could be pushed away. Like if you're not taking care of yourself, when when turmoil hits, like like you are no, you're you're risking being permanently pushed away. So yeah, you don't have a good foundation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so. Like it would be nice to see something like spiritual self care. Like, like I don't know. Like I was listening to um, I forgot I forgot what the series was, but like it was it was a it was I had to do with the Seattle somehow or like I, I'm trying to remember. But like you just like like I remember like like the spiritual self care. Like I think I'm just like people like think think like 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 you like you was saying like like like. Part of like just loving, like I don't know, like, like, like having, like if you understand how much the Prophet Islam loved you, like there's no way you don't love him back. Like there's no way. Like, like, like if you like if you hear, like how he was concerned about us, like us, like 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 genuinely like me and you sitting right here, like there's no way you don't like freaking cry. Like mm-hmm. it's I don't know. To me. Like and, and like I like these are things that I didn't know growing because like 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 growing up like well we we're only taught rules and stuff like that and I I'm not, it's not to blame anybody it's like but like like you were saying like rules are easy like it's just black and white just don't do this do this mm. but like like impacting impacting emotion on somebody like and like having somebody understand like like 
like the Prophet like loved you, Allah mm -hmm. loves you. And, like look at your life and look at where like like examine where Allah's entered your life. Like and where like look look at everything that you thought was bad for you. And then look at it now. And look at like like I I I reflecting like because like so much stuff happened, right? Like and you think about all the bad stuff and you're like like not to say like you like and it's not to say like like obviously like, there's there's certain bad things that like 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 there's no excuse for it. But um but there are but a lot of things that you thought were bad, like you look at now you're like, dang, like I if I got what I wanted mm -hmm. instead and if I it, it just would have been a complete different story. Um, whether it's like getting into the school you want or getting the job that you want or like staying in school, right? Like like <laughs> um marrying this person this and that like it, it's just it's it's a different you know i don't know I, again I'm, I'm gonna stop rambling because i'm sorry yeah. <laughs> okay keep going we're, we're listening yeah it's how, yeah you mentioned a really i think powerful point like who is allah who is the prophet and the 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 main description that allah describes himself with Clearly, the most consistently throughout the Qur'an is Rahmah, especially all of his creation. Mm -hmm. And then the main way that the in the Qur'an is we didn't send you for any reason whatsoever except this one reason, إِلَّا لِلْعَالَمِينَ Except as mercy to, to all of creation, essentially. Uh, and mercy and kindness are directly intertwined and love uh, one of Allah's names is Al-Wadud, which what, what's interesting about comparing hub and wood, not wood in English, like, <laughs> but like at the end of Surah Maryam, say, tying in with Allah's name Al-Wadud is, has anyone seen the, there, there's this really nice book about the, the names of Allah by, uh, um, help me out, it's by, uh, I think his sister in the UK. Uh, is, is anyone? I can't imagine. I know exactly what it looks like. I just, I'm trying to. It's a, so within that, basically, uh, there's a breakdown. There are really good reflections. And when, when you go to the name Al Wadud, uh, I think it's called Reflecting on the Names of Allah. No, it's. Um... Okay, yeah, that's the one. Thank you. So with with it, there there are going to be some. Um, so that was the specific one that uh, that I was referring to. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Reflecting on the names of Allah. So it's really nice because kind of like this book, it's not just hey, there are these forty hadith, which is awesome and appreciated, but there's also commentary and connection with each one. So with the names of Allah, there's commentary and connection with each one. So for Al-Wadud, uh, she gives this really nice breakdown of how that name of Allah has to do, like hub is love, and that can be a feeling, that can be you know a feeling in someone's heart, for example. But wood is, tying in Allah's name, Al-Wadud, is when that love manifests in action. So it's not just a feeling, it's not just a concept, but there, like, there's a, a practical element to it as well so it's not just that Allah is the most loving that's true and that can be explained in that way but it's the most loving with showing that love like with the love coupled with with action um, 
and you, you you look up one story after another of the prophet and his character, his humility, his kindness, his generosity, all these different amazing things. And like to know him is to love him. Like just going through the seat of the prophet is really, I think, extremely beneficial, especially if someone hasn't done it before, because through that, there's a lot of healing, a lot of misconceptions, even within Muslims are cleared up. And it just, it really, it's not just ideas and it's not just fiqh, which has its time and its place of certain do's and don'ts, that, don'ts that's fine. But there's this human example. And there's, it's kind of like when, when you look at Hadith Jibreel, you look at Islam, Iman, Ihsan. For Islam, they're the, the five pillars, right? That has to do with doing things externally. Iman, there are these uh, pillars of our faith that, pillars of Iman that we believe in, and then the third is Ihsan. That's really supposed to theoretically take up like the vast majority of our time. Like if someone carves out time to pray, to fast, to give zakat, go for hajj, like it's a pretty small amount of time in the grand scheme of things. But Ihsan is really supposed to to take up a lot of, um, like it's, suppo- it's supposed to impact everything else, essentially. Not only how we pray, but ibadah, it branches out beyond that as well. How's a person's character? How do they treat other people? Do they have humility? Do they look down on other people? Or do they try to, to lift people up? Uh, the Prophet was constantly lifting people up over and over and over. And they saw some And then for Aisha, I know Iqamah's in, was that 10, 15? Yes, yes. Um, it's a really, really good book, mashallah. <laughs> She's already looking at it. I'm not sure how similar these are. What was the other one? Um, the Beautiful Names of Allah. By who? Who's the author? Samira Fayad Khawlu. I think okay. he was saying the difference is that she actually reflects on them. Just mentioning them, right? Yeah. So, so for for that one, I don't I don't know. I can't, I I can't comment either way. But the one that I was referring to was with Dr. Jinan Yusuf. I'll have to compare. Yeah. If you if you check it out, then let me know or let us know. What is it? It's comparable to this in in length. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. There's a time and a place for for all of them, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So the one that you were describing is one is one that you already have. The one that, yeah, well, it's similar. Okay. I'll bring it next week. Sure. Yeah. 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 It's, it's short, but it also it describes the name, and then it also uh, describes how it impacts and how it shows up in your mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Like nice. the subtle one, how he shows mm-hmm. up as a subtle Al-Latif, one. Yeah. 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 No, if, if you want to bring that uh, either next week or at some point, um, you know, that would be appreciated. What is it? <laughs> yeah, I, I'd have to. If you can show me after so I can uh, look at getting a copy, inshallah. Any any final thoughts or comments before we wrap up? Go ahead. Maybe we can comment on it later this time, but he talked about social media. Mm-hmm. And that's a... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just feel like closeness leads to.
And when people think addiction, they often think of like drugs or like alcohol, but there's lots of socially acceptable addictions in the Muslim community that I like see everywhere. And I think we all are prone to doing one or the other. Do you want to give an example yeah, of a, like, a, a <laughs> social? Besides coffee, the social media one. Social media. Social media. Yeah. Codependency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> is that addiction? Addiction in relationships. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where you're like Valid. losing a sense of self, Valid. right? Yeah. Um. I feel like like lots with food <laughs> that are socially acceptable, mm-hmm. like constant dieting or binging or what whatnot. There's mm-hmm. so many, so many. Um, and I just feel like the, like I thought about content, I was like, it's the whole thing. Like we can't talk about it in five minutes. Um, it's so interesting. It says that you have to filter what you're seeing and hearing. Yeah. Like that's what I really want to be filtering it. About it. Yeah. I think this is like social media. We don't like realize how much it affects us. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm, I see, so I'll see something and I'm like, oh, I don't like that. Like, I don't like how she does that. But I know it's bad. But then I'll look a year later, stuff I thought a year ago, and I'm like, oh shoot, I'm doing that. Like mm-hmm. I, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, it's mm-hmm. so subtle, the social media, and it's mm-hmm. like a, like an endless scroll, and it's addicting, and it's like it affects your heart. I don't mm-hmm. know if you could comment it does. on it or like give us. No, it, it it makes a difference, right? For better, for worse. Yeah. So I think who people follow in general yeah. does make a difference. Not not everything has to be. Um, you know, religious per se, or but for it to at least, if ideally it would be either neutral or positive. I mentioned neutral, like I love basketball, right? So is there, like, it's not negative. It's not, it may not necessarily be positive. It's at least neutral somewhere in the middle, but for sure, if there's something negative or if it kind of makes someone feel uncomfortable or if they, there may not be anything wrong per se with a certain picture, but maybe the way that person interacts with seeing that picture internally, like maybe they see their following like that, for example, and then maybe they start to feel down. It's not that the celebrity did anything wrong per se by posting that picture, their intentions between them and Allah, but if someone notices that this kind of makes me feel some type of way, then how does this make me feel? Does it make me feel uncomfortable? Does it make me feel, um, do I, feel less of a person when I see these types of things. And if so, then maybe it's time to unfollow, even if it's temporary, right? So I Tezkia, like social media style. But Go ahead. That I learned from I mean she might have been twelve years old, max of young, young souls. And um this is one of our youth programs and we were talking about social media and I'm like, gosh, I can't imagine being so seeing a kid in your age of social media where everything mm-hmm. and she was like, Yeah, and one thing I feel, one thing I don't like is that we see something good and the next post you see something someone dead, and the next post you see something okay again, and then so you get the negative gets buried in between the positive, so you don't know how to react mm-hmm. like normally to certain things. So she's like, All of us were so yeah. desensitized. And I'm like, that mm-hmm. is such a mature outlook on things like that's such a good point that we get really desensitized to things that should maybe make you be like oh my god like that is scary um you know or subhanallah right so your highs are are no longer high your lows are no longer low everything is just like the same Mm -hmm. um so you're kind of just like numb and and yeah and i thought when it's so triggering or this should be something i should be happy about and i'm just kind of numb to it all now Mm-hmm.
And and to have that awareness internally, how is that? Yeah, because there isn't this emotional consistency or or fluidity where it's kind of like you said, it's all over the place. It's it's constantly changing. I do have to wrap up because it's ten fourteen and thirty three seconds, and it comes at ten fifteen. Um, so I do. Anybody wants to get any? Uh, Okay.